Take your Bibles this morning, uh, turn to uh, 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 9. It's there we're going to look at uh, 13 verses uh, together. And I want to put a tag on this text this morning with your prayers. How to function, though you come from dysfunction. How to function, though you come from dysfunction. I can't quite say it like a preacher by the name of S.M. Lockridge, but he got in the pulpit one morning and he said, I've come to say today that these days we are killing ourselves trying to make a living. People still think that they can find peace of mind in pills, that they could eat their way to ecstasy, that they can drink their way to pleasure. They try to smoke their way to settled nerves. They try to puff their way to popularity and push their way to power. They try to bully their way to friendship and burn their way to world peace. But I've come this morning to let you know that I know a place where a poor man has a chance. He said, I know a place where a poor man has a chance. Where a sick man can get well, an ignorant man can become wise, a bad man can become good, a good man can become better, a dead man can become alive, and it's all because of Jesus. You know, this morning, we're all sitting here, and there's a place where a poor man has a chance. There's a place where a sinner has a chance. There's a place where someone who's messed up in life has a chance. There's a place where someone's life didn't go the way they wanted it to go, they have a chance. There's a place today, and that place is simply found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That's how you can function, though you come from dysfunction. There's a country song, and it was played on the radio some time ago, and it was by a band named Ricochet. And you know, that may be your group or whatever. But the song tells the story of a man who was sitting in church. This man is sitting in church and he, and he notices a young woman he had grown up with. And she was looking at him and he, he liked it. And in the song, he describes some of the qualities that made uh, her appealing to him. And this is how that song went. Just a few words. It says she's got her daddy's money. Her mama's good looks. Oh, yeah, some of y'all know the song. More laughs than a stack of comic books. She's got a wild imagination. She's got a college education. Jeff, can you come back up here and lead us in that song? <laughs> and it's all a deadly combination. She's a good bass fisher. She's a dynamite kisser. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Country as a turnip green. I don't know what that means. But she's got her daddy's money, her mama's good looks, and look who's looking at me. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a cute song. And uh, what, what gets my attention is that singer was describing a woman most people would consider to be very successful. She had a lot of advantages. She had plenty of money and good looks and apparently good taste because she was looking at him. 
You know, there are people in the world who look at that kind of person and they get a little jealous because they begin to think, if only I could have had their advantages in life, if only I could have had their family, if only I could have had their money, if I could have had daddy's money, if I could have had mama's good looks, if I could have had their education, then I could have done great things in my life. My life would have, would have certainly turned out different. You know, a, a study uh, that we find in a lot of books today, and one in particular several years ago, there was a study about 300 people, highly successful people. And they studied these people, and these were people like Winston Churchill, Franklin Roosevelt, Helen Keller, Albert Schweitzer, Gandhi, Albert Einstein, and a whole host of others. And among the areas they studied were how these individuals grew up. In other words, they, they looked at their past. At, at these 300 individuals, they, 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 they looked at their past. They, they, they looked at where they came from. What was their family like? And what they found was very surprising. They discovered that 75% of these individuals, they grew up in poverty, that they were raised in broken homes by parents that basically rejected them. 85 of these individuals had become outstanding writers. And of that 85, 74 came from homes when, where there was always intense drama, constant yelling, rage, abuse were common patterns. 25% suffered from major problems. A number of them were deaf. Some of them were blind. Some of them were crippled. And when I read that, along with a whole host of other books that I've read over the years, I really began to question, how did their home life and how did they endure what they went through? How did that affect them to go on to, to be functional in society? And to not only be functional in society, but turn their setbacks into success. Take what was in their past and allow them to have a present as well as a future. This morning we are going to look at a text of grace. And I, I believe other than Jesus Christ on Calvary and our personal stories... I believe that we would find perhaps in the Old Testament or the New Testament no bigger illustration of the grace that we find in this text. And today I want you to understand, I, I, I want you to leave here today with a little pep in your step and a little glide in your stride and a little encouragement, knowing that no matter how dysfunctional your past is, and you know what the truth of the matter is, I, I believe all of us here. If truth be told, and I know the devil don't want the truth to be told, but I, I believe if, if truth was told, all of us would have some dysfunction. Or at least you know some dysfunction. Amen? How many of y'all got some dysfunctional family members? Let's, let's go. How many of them are in your immediate family? All right, all right, good. How many of them are in church today? All right, all right good, good, good. All right, all right, I'm going to want to make sure I'm preaching to the right people. Listen. Look. All of us are a little dysfunctional, okay? And the devil sometimes wants us to think that because of the past, that, that, that we're some kind of exception to the world, that nobody else had it like us, that everybody else around us has got 
daddy's money and mama's good looks and and everybody's really got it going on. You know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm not as old as some of you here this morning, but, 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 but what I've noticed in life, there are, there are more people that are going through life. There are more people that have life on them, more people that are, are, are struggling than there are that are on top of it. Because sometimes we think that everybody's just riding out on top of the world. But I want you to know today that I believe that there are a lot of us that know something uh, about struggle uh, in life. And so today I want us just to look at the theme, how do we function though we come from dysfunction? So out of 2 Samuel 9, let's stand in honor of God's word. And we're going to read uh, 13 verses of scripture there. I heard this past week, they, they, the youth stood and, and just simply said power. We're going to say a little more than that today, but I, I appreciate that pastor because there is power here. But this is the inspired word of God. In this word, there's a power, power to change lives. Change life. You guys sound good. Second Samuel 9, beginning with verse 1. And David said, Is there yet any that is left in the house of Saul that I may show him some kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Makar, the son of Amel, in Lodabar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Makar, the son of Amel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and I will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread in my table continually." And he bowed himself, and he said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? I want to point out that that's somebody that's living a dysfunctional life. He views himself as a dead dog. In verse 9, it says, Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we're thankful for your word. And Father, for these next few moments, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that we would not merely hear just simply words about you, but Lord, we'll hear words from you. I pray, Lord, that you'll take this mortal, fleshly being and that, Lord, you will cause me today to deliver a message from you. One, Lord, that pierces minds and pierces hearts. And speaks to our soul. And Lord, if there's somebody here today that's lost in need of a Savior, I pray this could be the moment they could be saved. But others of us, Lord, here are individuals. And Lord, we have things that we've gone through. Dysfunctional things. That the devil's trying to keep us in Lodabar. Lord, today I pray that you'll just speak to those that are here. And it's in your powerful mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
You know, life's greatest discovery is to already be where you're going in life. You know, and I believe there's always people like that. There's always people that are already where they're going in life. And I mean that from a deeper sense. It occurred to me that that there are people that are already where they're going because of what has happened to them along the way. In a real sense, something happened to them along the way and that where they were that has got them stuck where they are and where you are is where you're going. You know, that's a sad place to be in life. That's somebody that is stuck in Lodabar's of life. When we come to Mephibosheth, no one could testify better to the difficulties and struggles of hard living than Mephibosheth himself. I want you to think about something. This crippled man who is living in Lodabar, he, he could have been the king. Matter of fact, he, 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 he could have been the king, but instead he winds up just simply living a life of obscurity living a life of poverty. He was in the kingly reign. He was an heir to the throne. It was in his blood. But his granddaddy lost his mind and got insecure. And so he was an heir to the throne. It was in his blood, but he winds up living in poverty and obscurity. Think about this. Saul had a son by the name of Jonathan. Saul and Jonathan are killed in this battle. Mephibosheth, nurse, drops him while trying to hide from David. He literally becomes crippled. He's dropped at an early age, five years old. The prince, who was to one day be a king, became a pauper living in seclusion in this place called Lodabar. His theme song could have been Humpty Dumpty. We're going to get that next week. But listen, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. That could have been Mephibosheth's story. He's in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar is a place uh, where orphans live. It is a, a town of forgotten people. Lodabar, a place where orphans live, a place of forgotten people. In Lodabar, you would have found the lost people. You would have found the unskilled people. You, you would have found the uneducated people. You would have found the castaway people from society. We all know people who sometimes live in that environment. That, 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 that's a Lodabar environment. We walk around them and drive around Lodabar all the time. If you're not careful, that which is external will become internal. And you will see yourselves based upon the negativity of what's happened to you. Sometimes people even go farther than that. Sometimes people, instead of being able to define themselves, they allow other people to define them. And sometimes when you're living in Lodabar, you just think that that is the way life has to be. That, that's the way life is going to turn out. So all of a sudden, all of your past and all the things you've been through and all those externals, all of a sudden they become internal. And all of a sudden you just don't think you could ever be what God intends for you to be. How do you function? Though you come from dysfunction. I hope you haven't dozed off and gone to sleep because I, I, 
I want to get these three points nailed in very quickly this morning. You can function because you come from dysfunction, because of the person of Jesus. Our singers just simply sung about all our hope is in Jesus. We understand today that this is a place that, that the poor man has a chance, that, that this is the place. Where, you, you know, you ought to get excited when you go to church because when you go to church, this is the place that you are somebody. Matter of fact, we have a saying here, and it's one of our models. It's in our DNA. Everybody's somebody. Nobody's more important than anybody else. I know that may not function in every church, but it certainly functions in this church. This is a place where you have a chance. I mean, it doesn't matter where you come from. You've been divorced. you got a chance. You've been bankrupt, you got a chance. You, 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 you've had a repo on a car, you got a chance. You ain't got good clothes, you got a chance. I mean, if you're lost and on drugs, you got a chance. If you're alcoholic, you got a chance. No matter who walks in these doors today, because of the person of Jesus Christ, you have a chance. No matter where you are in life, no matter how dysfunctional it is, you got a chance. Somebody ought to shout on that today, because it ain't about... It ain't about the elder or the deacon or the preacher or the teacher. Everybody in this room today is grounded. Calvary is equal and everybody matters. And Jesus loves you and Jesus cares for you. And no matter how much dysfunction there is in your yesterday, Jesus is with you on today and he's with you into the future. I ain't even started preaching yet. I'm just getting warmed up. But I'm just going to tell you today that, friends, because of the person of Jesus, we all got a chance. Man, that's awesome to think. No matter how bad your relatives were, no matter how bad your past was, no matter how little bit of money you got today, no matter how bad your car, you might not even drove a Cadillac here. You might have had a Yugo that's still on its last leg, but you got to church today. You drove up in a Yugo. Some of y'all had to be pushed in in a wheelchair. Some of y'all limped in. But listen, you made it in. You got a chance. During this time, you get a chance to be encouraged. You get a chance to be somebody. Not because of the church, not because of the people in front of you or behind you, but because of Jesus Christ. Man, he makes us who we are. Because of Jesus, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against us should be able to prosper because of the person of Jesus Christ. We get to come to this table of almighty grace. I did tell you this is a story of grace. You know what happens is, is this servant Ziba gets sent out and they go find Mephibosheth. And they bring him to the table. And you know, I've, I've, I've mentioned this on occasion. But if there is going to be a table, and I believe there could be, if there's going to be this big, great, big table when we get to heaven someday, there's going to be some people there that are going to surprise you. You know what I'm saying? You're going to look around. You're going to think, where's some of them at? Some, some of these preachers, you're going to be like, where's this preacher at? You, the one you send some money to, he might not even be there. You know what I'm saying? Because the Bible says that there's some wolves in sheep's clothing. But let me just tell you, let me just tell you, when you get to the table of God's grace, there's going to be some surprising characters there. Some people that are going to make it to the table that you never thought they would. Think about it. David here. David is a, a murderer who was also an adulterer. But guess what? David makes it to the table. I want to put a coin in the meter real quick before I get into the rest of this. I, let, let me put an emergency break on hard. 
You know, I was thinking about this. The reason why David knows how to show grace, because David has been shown grace. And I thought about that. The reason why some broken, messed up people can handle broken and messed up people is because they've been broken and messed up themselves. See, some folks to me aren't as crazy to me as they are to you. Because let me just tell you what, I come from so much dysfunction. When somebody comes in and talks to me, it don't really bother me anymore because I done lived most of that, done heard most of that, and it don't even upset me because I just go ahead and expect the crazy out of this world. Some sanctified silver spoon Christians are like, can you believe how crazy them people are? You know what, you, you, you ought to be blessed. Because you, you, you've lived a life of blessing and you don't know those kind of things. I believe there's even pastors sometimes, they can't even relate because they, they've, they've never dealt with that. But David's been in the midst of the ugly. He understands the mess. He was an adulterer and a murderer. Jacob was a cheat and a liar. Noah got drunk, fallen in a flood. Moses, uh, he uh, was a murderer who lost his temper. Peter denied the Lord. Paul killed Christians. You see, the table... One of these days of grace is going to be full of people that you would have never, ever thought. Because the table is an act of grace and it's not an action of greatness. It's an act of grace. The reason why you and I are alive today is an act of grace. The reason why we've been able to make it as far as we've been able to make it is an act of grace. The reason we got the money we got is an act of grace. The reason why you ain't lost your mind and gone crazy for Cocoa Puffs is because an act of grace. And I know some of y'all ain't going to get this here. You're going to be like, preacher, I got all I did because I made the right decisions. Well, you're an idiot. I don't know if you're allowed to say that or not, but I did. Listen, the Bible calls them fools, okay? That's what, that's, that's what the Bible calls them. But listen. The Bible tells us that we get our living and our being from Jesus. Today, if you're sitting here and you're blessed and God has been with you, you better understand and you better know it ain't been because of your wise choices and because of your decisions. You better know that God has carried you all the way and that God has blessed you. So you can function though you come from dysfunction because of the person of Christ, but also because of our position in Christ. You see, Mephibosheth was crippled. You might even be in despair. You might be having some leftover anxiety from some bad job experiences, the death of loved ones, crippled by diseases, crippled by things in your past, crippled by desires that won't turn you loose into the future, crippled by some pain. I know some of you are locked in alcoholism or defeatism or drugism or homosexualism or, or sinism. But I implore you today to understand that you can come out of Lodabar. You can come out. I know that you feel like nothing. I know sometimes you may feel like nobody. I know that you've been walked on, maybe been trounced on. But I got a word for you this morning, and the word is that you can come out. You can come out of Lodabar. And the awesome thing about the Lord is when you can't get to him, he can always get to you. And he's not just an on-time God, he's a before-time God. You know, a lot of people think 
sometimes it's you getting to God, but let me just tell you what, more, more often than not, it wasn't the fact that I got to God, it was this, he got to me. He got to me. And you know what, I, I, I wish I could tell you today that there are times in life that, that, that God's going to just work everything out. But you know what, I've been preaching long enough, and I've got a testimony enough, and I've got a story enough that, that some things to me don't always make sense. I read scripture now from a different standpoint than I used to. I love preachers when they get in the pulpit today. And, 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 and these are some preachers sometimes that I don't think that understand what brokenness is. And they don't really understand what grace is. Now, they understand it in the, in the head, but they don't understand it in the heart. And here's what I mean by that. You know, we, we might use a verse like, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. What a great verse. You know what I'm saying? Praise God. Isn't that a great voice? Uh, I, 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 mean, I mean, you know, if you could preach that, and, 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 and you know what, that's true. I mean, I believe all the Bible's true. It's all inspired. It's all powerful. But here's where you really go from being a sight-walking Christian to a faith-walking Christian. What happens if joy don't come in the morning? Because I don't know if there's anybody here, but I don't know if you've ever gone to church, and maybe you went to the altar and prayed, and you quoted that verse, weeping may endure for a night, and joy comes in the morning, but you woke up and there wasn't no joy. It was the same as it was the day before. I don't know. Do I got any real people up in here. I want to speak to real people. I, 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 know, I know some of y'all just want to quote verses like, yeah, I'm an overcomer. I'm victorious. You, 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 I, I get all those things, and, and we're going to be having a big overcomer series pretty soon, so, so I'm not less than that. But here's where I'm going for So I want you to hear this. If joy doesn't come in the morning, can you still praise God? If you don't overcome in the morning, can you still get up in the devil's face and say, God, I'm still holding on. God, I, I still believe in you. God, you're still my God. God, I still love you. God, I still care for you. God, it's not me holding on to you, but it's you holding on to me. Joy didn't come. The check didn't come in the mail. Everything didn't get right in my family. But God, you're still my God. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to serve God. Naked I came in the world. Naked I'm going to leave. I'm going to do all I can do to simply serve. The Lord, no matter what. You know, I lost, I lost about half of y'all there. Listen, I, I understand, but listen. Because we're so conditioned today that we always think that there's always that overcome. There's always that victorious. There's always that joy comes in the morning. There's always that person that gets cancer is going to get healed. Now, I know I'm going somewhere now. Because sometimes we pray for that person to get healed. And I don't know if you've ever had it happen, but there's, there's lots of people I prayed for and they never got healed. There's lots of folks I prayed that they were going to get this or didn't get that, and it never happened. And sometimes that changes that person's relationship with Jesus because they run out of church. And they say, God didn't come through for me. He didn't hear my prayer. So, I mean, I'm just not going to trust him or believe him. You know what I learned, friends? I learned when it comes to serving God, you either run to him or you run away from him. And the one thing I've learned, and I'm going to tell you what, you wouldn't know this this morning, but I'm a crippled person. I mean, you, you can call me Mephibosheth's cousin because I'm going to tell you what, there's a lot of times I look far better than I am. But let me just tell you what, friends, I've learned, I've learned that even sometimes when you don't feel like it, even when sometimes you're at the depths, just like that hallelujah song we sung a while ago, sometimes you got to worship God in the storm. And you got to learn in the morning time when that joy don't come that God is still the God of joy. 
enjoy it and something coming in the morning anyway. It's something you ought to have all the time. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, I ain't got to wait till the morning to get the joy. I ought to have the joy the night when I go to bed. I ought to have the joy at the midnight hour. You know what? When we lost our son four years ago, and I'm telling you what, I, I told the Wednesday night crowd, it almost seems like it was yesterday. It's something I'll never get over. It's the first thought I have in the morning when I wake up, and it's the last thought I have uh, at nighttime before I go to bed. And I'm going to tell you what, ever since that moment, my whole life changed. But I want you to know what I learned. I don't always uh, simply um, just um, basically, you, you know, wish things in life could be different. I wish things in life had transpired differently. But here's the one thing I did learn through that event. I learned that you got to run to God. And you got to stay in God. And God will sustain you and God will allow you to endure some things that you never thought you could endure. And people sometimes, I, I, I share this story all the time. People say, well, I just don't see how you do it. You know what? I don't see how I did it neither. But here's what I do know. Jesus Christ stood in my body. He took me. He brought me. He walked with me along the way. And the way I've been able to get to where I am today is simply all due to Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that life gets fixed. You see, if you, if you go to a church and all they want to talk about all the time is that, you, you know, the overcoming part and the, and the joy comes in the morning part. You know what we should be teaching? That sometimes in the midst of the storm, you've got to learn to worship Jesus. In the midst of the family dysfunctional, you've got to learn to worship Jesus. In the midst of cancer, you've got to come home and say, God, uh, I did come naked in the world. God, I am going to leave the world naked. God, you could, you, I'm just simply going to trust you. And, and in the midst of losing jobs, in the midst of uh, wives and husbands going crazies and prodigal sons and daughters moving out, you, 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 know, you can't base your relationship on God as a conditional relationship that I'm only going to serve God when it's good. I think it's more important that you serve God when it's bad because when you can serve God when it's bad, it says a lot about who God is. You know what? I can be honest with you, and I'm just going to tell you this because one thing I love to say is I love to be real, but let me just tell you what, I believe that there were times in my life and time in my preaching that I wasn't all that I could be because everything was good in my life. But one thing that I learned when things got bad and things got difficult, I mean, I had to be because now I knew longer it knew it was me, but it was all God. Amen. You see, that dysfunction in our life can be a big part of teaching us how to function as we go forward. So we see the person of Christ and the position of Christ. And then finally, I want us to see we can function though we come from dysfunction because of the promise of Christ. And I've already alluded to this just a little bit. But David takes Mephibosheth out of Lodabar, a place where dysfunctional people would have been there by the thousands, if not millions. And he gives him a place at the table. Now keep in mind, he's still crippled. He probably looks back over his life and wonders, hey, I wish I could have been able to walk. I wish life would have worked out different for me. But yet he's shown this grace by David. And he gets to this table. There's a poem that says, though time may be tough and the road gets rough. Just believe. Though you've cried many tears and waited many years, just believe. If God said he will, do what he truly promised, just believe. 
It says, just believe in his word. Trust in what you've heard. Just believe. If your heart is broken, recall what he's spoken. Just believe. For God cannot lie, so don't ask why. Just believe. Let fear fade. Let your soul say, just believe. You know, today I've learned something about dysfunctional stuff. Dysfunctional stuff, it will cause you to become dysfunctional. It'll try to throw you off life. But I want you to know today, and I want you to leave you, if you haven't heard anything else, if, if somebody's sleeping next to you, wake them up real quick, I want you to hear this. Listen, no matter what you've come from and no matter what you've been through, the Lord loves you and he cares for you. And I promise you that he's never turned his back on you. You may not always see the Lord's hand. And let me just tell you what, friends, I have trouble sometimes seeing the Lord's hand. But you can always trust his heart. And the one thing that I trust and that I believe, and that's just simply that I'm going through, I'm not here to stay. Let me go old school, page 335 of the hymn book. It says, standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. It says, glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. It says, standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail by the living word of God, I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to him eternally by lover's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Savior's spirit sword, standing on the promises of God. And then that last phrase, it says, standing on the promises, I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing, standing on the promises of God. Friends, how can you function though you come from dysfunction? You got to get to a place in your life where if things are good, that, that that's, that's, that's easy to trust God. But when things are difficult, when things are hard, when, when you've gone through so much, and sometimes it starts as kids and children, and as that study said, some of the most successful people today that you will find in life, they, they weren't people that, that grew up with lots of money and stuff. They were people that were raised in obscurity. They were people that had difficult times. They were people that had past and and, and sometimes you go through things. Sometimes you go through jails and you go through uh, a whole host of things. But all those things will make up and they will determine what you believe about God. Sometimes I think the reason why we don't believe as deep as we should about God is because sometimes we ain't gone through enough. But when you go through enough, I promise you this, and maybe you're not there yet, but if you go through enough in life, and I mean, all of us have got stories. In this room, there would be all sorts of horrific stories that we go through. There would be all sorts of dysfunction. But if you go through enough dysfunction or you go through enough story, then all of a sudden you begin to realize that it's all about God and it's all about Jesus. And it doesn't matter what my past says. It doesn't matter because I'm not, 
concerned about what the past, I'm concerned about the present, and I'm concerned about the future. And sometimes you learn to worship God when you don't see God. Now, some of you won't get that neither. But see, I think our strongest worship is not when we see God. See, a lot of times we see God and we worship. That ain't nothing wrong with that worship. Ain't nothing wrong with that. That's, that, that, that's, that's okay worship. But let me just tell you the strongest worship. The strongest worship is when you come out of a cancer ward and they give you three to six months to live and you go home and you still worship God. That's when you know you are bad somebody right there. That's when you know it's real. And that's when you know that you can function though you're coming from dysfunction. And you know what? I've said this before, but you'll trip the devil plumb out. If you ever just learn to worship, just call those things that are not as though they are, and you just simply learn to worship when you don't see God, I'm telling you what, it'll be the most liberating thing you'll ever have in your life. I mean, I mean, I mean, you can't figure it out. You can't trace God's hand, but you can trust God's heart, and you just learn to worship in the dark. I'm telling you what. That's when, that's when you're not one of those fickle people in church and one of those fickle Christians. That's when those people, you're going to say, hey, when nobody else show up, I'm going to show up. When nobody else can see God, I can see God. Because if all you ever see is the God you see. See, some of us need to be able to learn to see the God that we really can't see. Because when you learn to see God that you can't see, that's when you really get genuine worship. Now, some of y'all, like I say, that's way over some of y'all's head, and some of y'all think that's English grammar mistakes, but what I'm saying is you see God deeper and stronger in the darkness of life. That's where you see. I don't wish any of that upon anybody, but let me just tell you what, that's when you see him, and that's when worship gets real. How do you function, though you come from dysfunction? Because of the person of Christ. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Our position in Christ, we are ahead and not the tail. And because of the promises of Christ, we can stand upon his promises today. And friends, all we got to do is just simply believe. I believe every day that I wake up. I, I, I truly believe this, that my best day is in front of me. Now, I may go through death. I may go through sickness. And I may go through a whole host of a whole lot of other things, but I'm going to tell you this. I still believe that my best day is ahead of me. I'm even like, like my sight. You know, I, I didn't realize. I used to have like 20, 30, 20, 20 vision. And, and, and y'all know this. You know, when you start getting in your 50s and stuff, man, I can't see anymore. I mean, I just look down at the menu, and it's just all blurry to me. I'm just like, look, just pick something. I don't, I don't have any idea, you know. <laughs> but even with that said, I know that my best, my best, my best days are still in front of me. And you need to know today, everybody in this room today, you need to know that your best day is in front of you. Let's stand this morning. Let's pray.